Welcome to Serially Hooked Star Wars. Oh my god, it's been forever. Whoop. We're your hookers, Chris and Rashad, and today we're going to fight these bastards for real. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and at seriallyhooked.com where you can get all the latest info. Programming reminder, I guess. Uh, t- today we're going to talk about um, the season premiere or series premiere of Andor, episodes one through three. And on Saturday, we'll be releasing our episode for review review or just conversation i guess i hate to say that we're covering something but you know we just talk about stuff and every week throughout the season we'll be releasing again on saturdays so tune in to hear more and with that let's go to hyperdrive let's get into hyperdrive i don't forget the words We're back. Serially Hooked Star Wars is finally back. <sighs> it feel, this feels like home. <laughs> it, it really does. And finally again with a good show. It seems like it. Yeah, so I guess get into it. Like, What do you think about the first three yeah. episodes? I'm very happy about it. Um, it is very Andor. It's very gritty, I think. I think it's messy in a sort of gritty way. And I really, really like it. It definitely has a Rogue One feel. In terms of morals, we have something, you know, Cassian's basically entrance in Rogue One was killing a source that he, that turned out could have been, you know, bad for him if if the guy survived or was caught. So he just killed him in cold blood and he does the same thing sort of at the very beginning of the show. And so that just set the tone, I think. And I love the messiness of the of all the different um, relationships. I love, love, love that they did not sub Canary. Uh, so many things. Uh, I, I love uh, the uh, the antagonist of it all and the surprise at the very end. Surprise-ish, I suppose. But um, I think it's great. I think it's, I, I mean, you know, I... <laughs> Obi-Wan was off to a great start as well, but I, I have more confidence in Andor actually delivering on the first three episodes. What about you? I think this is the best start to any Star Wars show we've seen so far. Unequivocally. Even uh, Mando? Yeah. I think it's a better start than Mando had. Mando was great. Mando grew into something, though. The f- first few episodes of Mando were good. But this is just on a different level, on from a writing perspective, from a scope perspective. I think this is, especially if you string these three episodes together, it's a perfect movie. It's an amazing, maybe not perfect, but it's an amazing movie together. I think there's so much depth going on here. Every single character is just so well written. Even the side characters, the background characters, every single little detail is thought through. And if you think about things like his relationship with Mavra, like you don't get much on screen with with them, the two of them together, but you see and feel the depth that they have. I mean, just exemplary of how well this episodes, these episodes are written. It's just an. I think it's a great start, and it's really foreboding. No, foreboding is only for bad things, right? I don't know. It's 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 good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was thinking about that. What's the worst thing? What's the thing that I? found like annoying about the these three episodes and the best thing i could up come up with that is that bix's boyfriend is called tim (laughs) (laughs) 
poor enough for all the Tims. Yeah, seriously. But, you know, in the grand scheme of Star Wars names, it's not bad. It was just a little uncanny seeing like a real world name in there. It's always funny when our fantasy shows do this. Same thing with um, Game of Thrones when they had Kevin Lannister or (laughs) some things like that. Yeah, I know. It's, it's so good. And I don't know. I Yeah, as you as you mentioned, this is like a perfect, not again, not, not a perfect, but a great, these three episodes are a great unit. So obviously it makes sense that they publish all of them at once. But um, I don't know. It's just a great arc, a great introduction for anyone who also doesn't know Cassian. I think this is the one Star Wars show where you could watch this show not having seen any Star Wars and really enjoy it. I guess Mando was yeah. like that to a certain extent, but it does have more buy-in that you need, I think, to have Star Wars just at the beginning. This show is just, it's a Tony Gilroy show or movie. It's not at all a star. I mean, it is a Star Wars universe, but it's not, doesn't have that same Star Wars feel that feels so repetitive. And uh, it's just fresh. Yeah, because as much as I love Mando, they were just do- overdoing it a little bit with homages and quoting things and, Andor doesn't do that. It's just a very down to earth. <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, down to earth show, I think. And uh, uh, I'm just, I'm just happy. I'm just happy after ch- one shitty and one lukewarm show. I think this year, and this is it. This is what we've been waiting for it's ever since we watched Mando, and kind of this podcast was born. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I always forget that our our podcast is born from Mando. So yeah, I mean, technically, it's definitely born from Star Wars. Technically, from the movies as well. But I mean, those those episodes will never air. Let's hope not. Do you still have the files? <laughs> oh, of course, I have all the files. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I also have them on some disc somewhere. But um, I anyway. know exactly where they are, and I can get them at any time. <laughs> Um, we also get an amazing new droid entry to the Star Wars universe. B2 oh, yeah. EMO is amazing. Yes. Very Wally. So Wally. That's the first thing I thought of. Yeah. And I really love how it like takes him extra power to lie. Like he just has to it's just, <laughs> just the little details like that where it's like, oh my god, I can't lie. I have to charge my battery first. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, great, great droid for sure. Um, just we've got to do the rankings at some point, man. We've talked about it so long, well, for so long, well, like all the droids and all of that. We need to do that at some point. Oh, for sure, for sure. I I think we waited really because I wanted to wait until you saw Rebels first because I wanted to make sure Chopper gets on the yes, list somewhere, um, and that was my hesitancy previous to <laughs> this. But at this point, let's just do it at any time. Sweet, you heard um, it here first, folks. Um, one thing that I want to bring up is I really love the the scope of the show or the scale of it because it feels so wide, even though we don't get to see many places or we don't go, you know, this is like tendency, especially recently in Star Wars and Game of Thrones and Rings of Power and all these things where you go back and forth between all these different places and that's how they create scope within television shows. But it seems like with this show, with such little, we only really go to Ferrex, 
we go to Morlata 1, and then we have the flashback in Canary. That's not that much compared to what other shows are doing and what other Star Wars shows are doing. But it still feels such like a robust, wide world. And I just want to pause at any point and just be like, what's that background character? What are they doing? Like, what's interesting <laughs> about them? Like, even like, so before they start banging on the, the drums or like the, the metal or whatever, there's this like little boy and his father running through the the town just to tell Bix what's yeah. going on and everything. And then just their background story, you immediately, the camera, the way the camera lingers on them, like you're interested in what they're like, what's their relationship to Bix, what's going on here. It's just this ability for them to create scope within such a narrow place is or narrow setting is phenomenal in these episodes for sure and i'm just let's let's never go to tatooine please i'm out if if we go to tatooine i'm done (laughs) because think about it like the last two shows that was like tatooine but i guess maybe they would you know that is kind of one of the uh differentiating aspects of the show (laughs) apart from the quality but um uh, you know, this is just a completely, a completely different part of the universe that we've never heard about, or at least I haven't. I don't know if there's something that you're aware of, but um, no. Uh, what's cool about this is that we always wanted more about the rebellion and this contact, this constant fighting between the rebellion and the empire, and we've never really got to see it at the, such a granular level. And what do the consequences of these things mean for the individuals on the ground? We're not talking now about a pseudo messianic figure who's going to come and save the universe. <laughs> We're talking about the average everyday Joe Schmo and how this impacts and how the cruelty of the empire really begins to impact every person's daily life. So it's just a granularity that we have never seen in Star Wars. And it's something that we really crave for. Yeah, especially because this is kind of the edge of the like the the, the periphery. That's what the uh, you know security forces say. Like we are the first line of defense for the empire, but they're they're wearing very different uniforms, and it's very interesting to me. Um, all of that sort of you know from a politics perspective, what does that mean? How does that look like? And yeah, it's just like the fringes, and that's always the most exciting for me. Um, and yeah, just incredibly written as well, the way they, again, I think we talked about that briefly in, in House of the Dragon as well in the recent episode, how information gets presented and is not, you know, the, it's, it is very carefully uh, shown to, to the audience and it's not like an info dump or whatever. Another testament to how good this show is, is the villain. So we see this lieutenant lieutenant deputy yes. within the pre-more officers, and we are immediately drawn to him from the very beginning, not in a good way because he is a villain, but little details like him tailoring his suit to show how his dedication to the <laughs> rules and regulations of the company. Him, He even goes through his own journey in this show where he begins this uh, these episodes just as like a bureaucrat, and then he struggles to give commands and he struggles to give a rousing speech and then he's exposed to the violence of war by the end of it and he is the look on his face at the end of the three episodes where he's just grappling with the consequences of his actions is just so phenomenal so not only does the show does such a good job at dealing with andor which obviously should because it's the title character but 
it is also giving us one of the better villains already in all yeah. of Star Wars. Yeah, it was very. He was so interesting. I think very, very well cast, very well written, well acted, because. I could see from the get-go where that was kind of going, or at least I kind of could see it or was guessing it. And and but I still I still felt sympathy for him all the way through. Like in every beat, I was just like, Yeah, I, I get it, man. I get it. I get where you're coming from, you know? Um and yeah, I just I just found it very fascinating. And yeah, at the very end when he's just shell shocked and the like disciplinarian fascistic leader of the police brute force is just like oh we need to leave and everything but that was just their relationship was also very interesting um and yeah i i agree one of the better villains and again it doesn't have to be a general it doesn't have to be like a super powerful jedi it can just be like a deputy lieutenant not even a lieutenant just his deputy um uh, who just wants to go beyond what's uh, uh, what's expected of him. And, I mean, safe to say he's going to get fired, right? I guess we'll find out. I guess we will. And with that, do you want to go into our four, moment, four moments? I did have things to say, but let's go. Let's go through it. No, I we will can. Be... We can. It's just, it's, it is in good serially hooked Star Wars traditions that you ruin, ruin my transitions. So um, please go ahead. Okay, so I want to go back to that. Oh, man. I, I envisioned you throwing it to me very differently. So I'm just like, I still might have, have had to have the villain talk. In, but I was just going to say about villains, how not every villain has to be like Darth Vader, the manifestation of all evil in the universe, instead, or the representation of it. Instead, it is just much more affecting to just have a guy going through the motions of finding or trying to achieve his own goals and motivations and dealing with what is the outcome of it. And that relationship between the audience and a villain whose motivations we know and expect certain results to come out of it. And it it just creates a very different dynamic viewing experience that doesn't seem so one-sided where we get so much information about the heroes and nothing about the villains. So it's just a very, it's a great balance that this episode's arc really uh, puts together. So sorry, I ruined your transition for that. I also have one more thing to say as well. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Before I start another one, go ahead. I think in terms of great characters, I have to shout out Bix as an amazing character and I'm sure that'll come up in our, our scenes, but she is just a fucking badass in all ways possible. She is the conduit for everything that Cassian needs. Cassian is so dependent on her to a certain extent because he's basically a fuck up. Let's be honest at this point. Mm -hmm. And everyone he goes and meets is just like, Oh God, Cassian, like what do you need now? Like what's going on now? And it's really Bix's strength and Bix's ability to kind of uh, help him along the way that begins Cassian's journey. And as well, like Bix holds so much car, like so much sway in the community and it's her. I just found myself drawn to her as a character and I, I can't wait to see more of, of her. 
Yeah, let's let's hope we will. I mean, now that Tim's dead, you know. Spoiler. Whatever, people. If you if you have listened this far, like if you haven't watched it, it's kind of your fault. Sorry. I will never forget Tim. I was. What did you What did you feel when he was killed? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I was like, yeah, you got that coming, asshole. A little bit of joy. <laughs> yeah for real he was like yeah i'm sorry uh, like i'm kind of sad for bix but also he totally ratted uh cassian out and it's another one of these things where this just happened because tim didn't like you know talk to bix about what he saw he just straight up went to the terminal and told the security about cassian so um you know that's kind of on him. <laughs> it's all on him. Well, I'm actually like, yeah. that's one quibble I have with this arc. It's not a quibble really, but I'm just like personally, I feel like the je- jealous lover trope guy gets drunk, makes a mistake kind of situation. I think it's just a little overdone, I would say. But in the end, it's fine. It, it's it's a device yeah. for getting the empire there or the, the Primor officers there. So, it, and he's dead anyway. So who cares? <laughs> but it's... Uh, yeah, I found it just okay. Fine, let's uh, let's move on. <laughs> I didn't really feel like it was like the most amazing thing uh, or amazing way to do it, yeah. but it, it's it's a little bit of a quibble. If I were to have a quibble about these uh, episodes, yeah. also he's incredibly stupid because they literally tell him if you move one step closer, we're going to shoot you, and he just runs towards them. It's not smart, it, idiotic. But let's not try to. Um, uh, Let's not speak ill of the dead, but go into our oh. top four moments or whatever. Or what, are you going to say another thing? No, no, no. It, it, yeah, well, okay. it's always a good <laughs> Now I'm just expecting it. Now <laughs> I'm just expecting it every turn, every turn. So what is your number four moment? My number four moment is when they are banging the medals as the Primor officers are starting to... Rob Mavra, no, not Rob Mavra, mm. but they they go into her house and start throwing sh- like looking for Cassian and there. I just love how the community comes together in the scene, how the metals are just like so piercing, and it's a great sound design from the entire scene there. And I think that it goes more to show how the entire community is uh, fighting the Empire, and this is not just a battle for one individual, but it is. Uh, it is a battle really for everyone against this brutality in a way. And it also, for me, shows how, I mean, I guess the whole scene demonstrates how the ties of the different relationships come together all at once to fight these Primor officers and how with, with, with coming together, we're able to punch above our weight, I guess. Yeah, I'm really happy that you chose that scene because that means I can talk about another one <laughs> uh because i was also like picking that one um i love that what it stands for you know the entire community kind of doing something that is sort of at at first seems like civil disobedience but but as they as they uh you know as it continues it and it does it it is kind of this eerie feeling that you just get with the more it happens, the weirder you feel about it. And then Mavra also says to the security officers, you know, that's what a reckoning sounds like. And also, you know, 
uh, if you worry now, you should actually, you know, you should start where you should actually worry when it stops, then it stops. And the, uh, the guy in charge immediately knows, oh no, we're now in the lion's den. Um, just so cool. And also quick shout out to, I guess myself that I named an NPC in our D and D campaign, just like a Star Wars character. Uh, that was a fun uh, little surprise. Oh, Mavra. Yeah. <laughs> completely forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was so funny to me. Um, but yeah, my my I'm just gonna go through it chronologically as as is my want. Um I love how um I'm go- I'm gonna talk about uh two scenes. I'm kind of cheating again. Always um, cheating, Chris. Always cheating, always be cheating. Um, it's just about Cassian in the first episode about the different people that he he is a talker. He can get he can talk his way out of things, but sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, he, you have the friend who he also owes money to, who gets him an alibi, but also you have the guy who he also owes money to, who is who is not having it. But then his quote unquote enforcer is like not that menacing. It turns out, and. Cassian kind of avoids that and then at the very end you have the guy at the yard thing with his with his uh transporter or whatever it is who says you know no more favors that's it and I think that's kind of an interesting climax because you you can see you know you at first you have the guy who is who's definitely trying to help Cassian who's kind of friends with him then you have the guy he owes money to, and it's kind of, it's like he just gets out of there. Um, and then the third one, he just fails. And I feel like that's a great kaleidoscope of like Cassian's relationships and his also his ability to talk himself out of situations, but also how it sometimes doesn't work. So I thought that that was a really strong uh, way of showing us an aspect of Cassian's personality in episode one. Yeah, I actually, I think those things speak to what I mentioned a little earlier about how he's kind of a fuck up in the way that he yeah. needs, he's not just like a, pers- a person people can rely on. He's a person who has to rely on everyone around him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, otherwise he'd be fucked, <laughs> honestly, like w- without Bix, without all of these people who he obviously owes monies or favors to. Um, you know, he'd be probably in a ditch somewhere. Well, I mean, if you speak to Mavra, Mavra is the one who, like, I mean, if it wasn't for Mavra, he'd probably be dead. That's true. I mean, he, she did literally kidnap him, but uh, also, you know, in the end, she did save him that way. So I guess that works. But uh, technically, it's still kidnapping. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, actually, kind of a good point. I don't know if she, we should endorse people going into yeah. the woods and kidnapping kids. Yeah, but I mean, I definitely totally respected her foresight there, that she knew what that means. You know, okay, there's there's a... Even even though most of the the crew was killed just by the impact, one of them definitely was killed by, by the locals because he has about two dozen darts sticking in his body. Very ineffective darts, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe it was sort of this thing where a few darts definitely because they're all kids, right? Maybe they tried it on other kids first. I don't know. Ooh, that's that's cringy a little bit. It is. It is. 
<laughs> I, I, I realized that. But, I mean, maybe it's just tranquilizer darts. We don't know that he's dead. Got it. Yes. That's my head cannon. <laughs> In the end, just don't kidnap kids, and I think we'll be all, we're okay. Exactly. Uh, what's your next moment? My next moment is the uncomfortable uh, speech scenes <laughs> yes. in episode two. I think it's episode two. Yeah, it's so funny. I just like <laughs> the humor going on in this scene is oh, just so refreshing. <laughs> uh, especially because you get this off the other officer who gives a really rousing speech, and then you expect the this I forget this name man the our main guy to give an even better speech and you just ha- you're just like waiting on the edge of your seat and you can see the disappointment in the rest of the the officers <laughs> they're just like what is going on right here but i think more specifically it goes to show his lack of experience in the field like this his lack of strength and i think his journey is finding that strength through these episodes i guess we'll see more about what happens to him but for now I really think that's the journey that we're going on with him. And it's it's you can see that this is a scene that we can point back to. See, and I guess this, is, this show is only two seasons, but at the end of this whole entire show and look back to what are the anchor points for a specific character. So this scene just really needed to be pointed out for me. Yeah, I, I really liked it as well. Um yeah, and he even does the he even does the thing of like, oh, I wouldn't serve with I wouldn't rather serve with anyone else than you guys, and he's like, oh my god, this totally falls flat. Um, he is just not very charismatic uh, yet, but yeah, he's also very fresh faced. So this is kind of his first time doing doing that sort of thing, and that actually ties in very well with my next scene because my next scene is the first meeting of the two of them. The uh, the deputy and the kind of the the enforcer guy who yeah i think is just kind of a disciplinarian fascist um who really the sergeant who talks with the deputy and we get we get something that remind me a little bit of the um scene in mando episode uh, season two with the the officer that mayfeld shoots um when he talks about order and you could definitely see kind of the he he is the mouthpiece in, in this scene for the uh, propaganda and the uh you know self-prescribed role that they the security forces have there and i thought that was a very interesting insight uh, especially because i'm going to cheat again especially because we uh, <laughs> i i also love this scene with um at the very beginning with the actual chief, the the actual guy who is in charge, who wants no investigation and explains it to the dep- his deputy for all of the kind of political reasons. And I love that explanation so much. I think that that just goes to show how sometimes things are just so multifaceted, how people who are just new to things uh, just don't see and they want to do kind of the right thing in their eyes, but they're just a much bigger picture that they aren't aware of. Yeah, I mean, I agree. <laughs> I don't really have anything to add there. <laughs> okay, what's your next scene? Uh, my next one is the scene in the warehouse where Stellan Skarsgård's character is talking to Cassian Andor. And yes, such a good scene. <laughs> I think it's obviously the ethos of the entire show wrapped up into one. It's the scene where our hero starts to... It, 
go on his journey. It's it's really the beginning of the entire show there. So I and it's just so affecting how he's just so calm and knows exactly everything that's going to happen. You can just sense his experience and his intelligence here in the scene and Cassian's relative. Because up until this point, you think Cassian's kind of a badass, I guess. I mean, he's kind of a loser, but he's also kind of like, he gets like, as you said, he talks his way out of things. He can get through stuff. But it's really when he comes into contact with somebody who actually knows what he's doing, you realize how basic he is at everything right now. So I just really loved everything about the scene, the, the dialogue between the two. I can't wait to see more of their one-on-one dynamic and also more about this character. Who is he? Where does he come from? What is his station? Uh, what is his place within, I presume, the nascent rebellion? Not entirely sure, but I'm excited to see everything about it. And this show was a great, you know, the, these three episodes were great to start with. And it just needed, at the end of it, to like give us a sense of wonder about what's coming next. And this is how it just really did that so, 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 so well. So, yeah, it's just a great scene. So, yay. Yeah, I was I was really surprised to see Stellan Skarsgård here. I didn't know he was part of this. And I was like, wow, this is, I mean, Diego Luna is also a, like a pretty big name. But Stellan Skarsgård is just, you know, very, very well known. And I was very happy to see him. Um, and you can you can see this scene, you can see the breadcrumbs leading up to it because when he arrives and talks to Bix, she, like he knows Cassian by name, knows things about him, so Bix must have briefed him about her uh, him, and um, yeah, so that was like a long, long made plan. It would be I would be very curious to see what Bix's role in all of that is. Maybe she, you know. She's also part of a cell or whatever. Um, but yeah, as you said, uh, it, it is a great character scene, also a great action scene, which in turn, you know, action scenes, the, the best action scenes tell you something about the characters and it tells you all about them that uh, Stan Skarsgård uh, is just so prepared, has explosives everywhere. He, again, sees the bigger picture that... Cassian does not see. He just sees kind of his way out of there. Doesn't really have a plan beyond getting, you know, off planet. Uh, and what has this really one valuable thing that he risks his life for. And Stan Skarsgård is just like, no, there are bigger things. And I just love that. And also just a great, just a great action scene, uh, especially like intercut with, you know, the other teams in the city and bigs getting captured and you know the uh the people in charge not there yet and how they kind of realize what's going to happen that was just a great sort of sequence of things if we're going to talk about the whole action sequence it's a great i i mean obviously it's great i think it's has it's perfect because it's just like enough trickery but it's not like crazy stuff that's going on and it's you can kind of see what's coming so like when they they surprise the lieutenant uh deputy or lieutenant whatever the yeah. deputy inspector uh, and then they tie him up and whatever it's it's cool like you see it and it's like oh i know what's gonna happen here but then it's just enough of like creativity in terms of how they set it all up and how they put it together it's just a really well-crafted escape sequence for sure and obviously the as you said this uh the actor the characters that we the what we learn about the characters is uh, phenomenal as well. And 
I have to have to shout out the last shot of them on the speeder, this aerial shot of them going over the the, the terrain. Oh yes. Oh, so beautiful. I had chills. It's just such an mm-hmm. amazing um, scene there. And I really couldn't compare to anything else that we've seen recently. Yeah, I was going to say, I was just thinking what's like top four speeder moments. And it's like this, for, this is the most beautiful one. I would say another one is related to uh, what's his face's death at the very end of um, um, Mando, Mando's uh, season one. Then we have the very... IG-11's big... death? Wait. No, what? no, the, the guy, the small guy. What's his name? The, I've oh, spoken... Queel. Queel, yeah. Then we have IG-11, that whole thing with the speeder. And then I would still say episode six, because that was, for the time was pretty amazing with the chase through the forest. Yeah, that's kind of cool. On, uh, uh, wow, Endor? Endor, yes. Oh, sorry, Endor's moon. <laughs> yeah the forest moon of endor is it also yes. called endo nobody knows i guess we'll find out no we're not gonna find out yeah i was Please gonna say not. will we <laughs> i don't want like a spinoff of like all um it's just gonna be ewoks yay oh my God. <laughs> that would be my nightmare because it's basically children that's a good point. The, what? the way they're portrayed anyway you know infantilizing uh, maybe i wouldn't mind depth to the characters <laughs> Very, very like, like, like with the uh, Tuscan Raiders. Yeah, but actually executed well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say for sure that would be nice. Um, oh my god, I kind of also want Wookie, more Wookies, but Wookies are badass, and Ewoks are not. So I can't fucking wait for Wookies. Like, <laughs> I want them now, and not Chewy. I want a whole. D- I want yeah, Wookies yeah, without yeah. Chewy. As much as I love Chewy, like let's move. Let's go to some do something else. Exactly. And let's do something else. What's your number one? Yeah, so my last sequence, which I we we the thing is we I my other sequence was part of the battles as well, so kind of threw me off there. So I have to come up with another one right now. Um so I guess I I I'm guess I'm gonna do this one. So a scene that I really like is the first flashback scene that's intercut with B2 saying his name so b2 is saying cassian cassian and then we get mm-hmm. this audio kind of uh, mix where it starts it transitions to casa casa and then you can see his sister uh talking to him in on canary and then you get a window into his his uh, background and the scene itself is an introduction into cassian's background a little bit it is all notably in a language we don't understand and we get no subtitles for, which I found just so mysterious and really interesting because it makes me think that we're going to get something from them more. There's no way I don't mm-hmm. think based on the prevalence of Canari in the show that we're not going to get something about his connection to Canari. I mean, obviously at the beginning it connects to him looking for his sister. So where are we going to go with that? And what's interesting about this is that it just made me ask and wonder more also, it's the int- it's the scene where we're introduced to B two EMO. So, like, yes, please, more of that. <laughs> I really hope uh, Cassian goes back to pick him up on his way out of town. But I I just really like uh, that really that beginning and how it's done. And I think a good and effective effective way to weave feed not feedback flashbacks into the beginning of a show when you're trying to expand a character's background. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I love it as well. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think intercutting is has just become become such a huge thing for me that I just really respect when it's executed well. And I think it's executed well also at the very end of episode three, which is mine my uh fourth moment which is intercutting um cassian kind of being taken away from canary as a boy by mavra but also intercut with you know kind of running away as an adult with with um stan skarsgård and uh, and that kind of tells you also something about his life to this point he is someone who is on the run who is a survivor who who is kind of has a, this very this existence that is just not very safe um and this uh, and i think this just tells you a lot about his character and so i'm going to be curious what happens if he maybe finds a cause because his like his cause so far was plainly survival and now maybe he can join something that's bigger than him and i'm just very excited to see the arc that he's gonna go on but i've just thought this intercutting was just executed so well i mean yeah such a great strong beginning to this show so i'm just excited to see what comes next any any guesses i I assume we're gonna go see the rebellion now or some Mm -hmm. not the rebellion capital r but mm-hmm. beginning rebel cells or something of that nature and some uh unification of them i wonder if we're gonna see any of the big hitters anytime soon i think they'll they'll save that for a while like i don't think we'll see i don't know admiral akbar or whatever for <laughs> a while <laughs> but um maybe i don't know i could be wrong but i'm excited to see what does come next i think for example, I think what's going to happen is that there's going to be some job that he has to do or some heist or something that he has to like use him for for now. Mm-hmm. And then after that, maybe we'll like we'll graduate in basically concentric circles of rebellion. So we're going <laughs> to first see we first saw Ferrix and whatever. Then we're going to go see some heist. And then after that, we're going to kind of expand to the wider rebel network. And yeah. I just really hope at some point we get to see Hera and Chopper, uh, but <laughs> uh, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Yeah, I'm just curious, you know, obviously with, with Cassian, what's going to happen, but also what's with Bix and B? Are they going to make it or is he going to leave them behind? I hope not. But also, when does he does he ever meet K2SO during the show? That'd be like an interesting thing as well. And yeah, I don't know. I think as well, he has he will have to prove himself in the upcoming episodes and then will be accepted some somewhat and yeah i'm just going to again i th- i think i i hope they will not do it in the way that they will show all of the rebel leaders or whatever just because it the the ground force of the rebellion is at least as interesting as the people kind of in command so I would hope that this is going to be what the show is going to be. I have full faith in Tony Gilroy. I mean, is there a better ending than this? Never is. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, for Chris, I'm Rashad. And we'll talk to you next time.
Bye. Oh, yeah. Also, give us a uh, rating, stars, and reviews, whatever, and subscribe, and all that stuff. <laughs>